John 1, 2 through 3. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really, really glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Welcome those of you at our East service, those of you who are tuning in online. I don't think I've uh, told you in a while, but uh, I just want you to know how much I love you guys, love this church, hope you uh, love it too. Uh, but I'm really, really glad you're here. All right, this is the second week of our series on the Gospel of John. Now, John is uh, answering a question. It's a terribly important question. It's a, an important question for you and everyone that you know. And the question is simply this, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? What's interesting is that everybody already has an answer to that. But with any terribly important question, the important thing is whether you have the right answer. John is giving us an answer, and he is uh, uniquely qualified to tell us who Jesus is. I told you last week that because uh, when Jesus was here on earth, John was arguably Jesus' best friend. Uh, he was one of the original 12 disciples, one of the inner circle of Peter, James, and John. He was the one disciple that Jesus gave the care of his mother Mary to when he was on the cross. So John knows who Jesus is, and he's trying to tell us. You know, he writes this account of Jesus, and it is a relatively short account. It only takes 22 pages in my Bible. The whole Gospel of John, 22 pages. Oh, by the way, uh, we've been encouraging you to bring uh, your Bible uh, to church. You can either bring one like this. You can download one on your phone. Uh, we have uh, Bibles in the pews now, both here. And if, if you're in East Hall, you can just raise your hand. Somebody will bring you a Bible. But the passage we're going to look at is on page 833 in the pew Bible. Just so you know, we want you to be able to kind of follow along while somebody's uh, telling you this. All right. So John uh, writes this story, and what hit me this week is uh, if you were going to write an account of somebody who had a, a big impact on you, how would you do it? What would you start with? I was thinking uh, if I were to write an account of Jim College, Jim College had a profound impact on my life. I would start the story one of two ways. Most likely, I would start the story like this. I first met Jim College in uh, 1989, when I was up in Ohio looking for a job uh, as Bible teacher at CVCA. Right? What struck me is this, that the story is supposed to be about Jim, but it starts with me. Because I'm so egocentric that, you know, the way I view the world is how it impacts me. And John could have started it like that. John could have said, I first met Jesus by the Sea of Galilee. I'd never heard anyone teach the way he taught. I never was loved the way he loved me. I was never forgiven the way I felt forgiven. You know, all those things were true, but that's not the way John starts his gospel. The other way that I could start a story would be to say, Jim College was born in 1950, the firstborn son of Henry and Mildred College. Connect Jim to his parents. That's not what John does. John starts his gospel by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that has been made. It's like John is trying to say right at the beginning, Jesus is the center of everything. And he's saying, just look at him, be amazed by him, fall down and worship him. John is building a foundation. And he's saying this, if you don't understand this about Jesus, you'll never understand Jesus. If you don't understand this is who he is, you won't understand what he does. That's why we've divided this 10-week series into two five-week segments, right? The first five weeks, we're going to be talking about who Jesus is. And after those five weeks, we're going to have a night of worship where we gather to worship him because we will long to worship him. The next five weeks, we're going to look at what Jesus does, the work of Jesus. At the end of those five weeks, we're going to have another night of worship so that we can worship him. So John is building this foundation. And uh, last week, I looked at, we looked at verse 1. This week, we're looking at just verses 2 and 3. So let me read them to you. They were read to us, but they're short. So this is what it says. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. All right, here are my three points for those of you who are note takers. In these two verses, John is telling us something about Jesus, something about everything, and something about us, about you, and about me. John is telling us something about Jesus, something about everything, and something about you and me. All right, first, something about Jesus. So John uh, begins his gospel, and we talked about it last week. Oh, if you missed last week, please go back and watch it or listen to it. It'll help. You know, everything's going to build. But last week, uh, I told you that John begins his gospel using a euphemism for Jesus. Instead of saying, in the beginning was Jesus, he says, in the beginning was the Word. And in Greek, that euphemism is the word logos. So he was saying, in the beginning was the logos. And in the first century, they would understand that as the logos being the power behind the universe the reason, the rationale, the logic, the purpose of all that is. And then in verse 2, John switches to the personal pronoun, he. He was with God in the beginning. The first thing that John is telling us about Jesus is he's giving us that peek behind the curtain at the very nature of God. That God in his nature actually confounds the categories that we have for what it means to be a person, a single person. Right? And that shouldn't surprise us, right? It should actually get us a little bit excited because who wants a God that doesn't explode the categories that we have? And what John is doing is he's giving us kind of this, this peek at how, at the kind of complex nature of the personhood of God. In the Old Testament, God would talk about himself as being one. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. But he would also talk about himself in the plural. Let us make man in our own image. And what John is starting to show us is that God exists in one essence in three persons. We call that the Trinity. One of the best explanations for the Trinity, uh, I read by uh, by C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, Let me uh, read it for you. 
That's what it says. It says, now the Christian account of God involves just the same principle. The human level is a simple and rather empty level. On the human level, one person is one being, and any two persons are two separate beings. Just as in two dimensions, say on a flat sheet of paper, one square is one figure, and any two squares are two separate figures. On the divine level, you will still find personalities, but up there you find them combined in new ways which we, who do not live on that level, cannot imagine. In God's dimension, so to speak, you find a being who is three persons while remaining one being, just as a cube is six squares while remaining one cube. Of course, we cannot fully conceive a being like that, just as if we were so made that we perceived only two dimensions in space, we would never properly imagine a cube. But we can get a sort of faint notion of it, and when we do, we are then, for the first time in our lives, getting some positive idea, however faint, of something super personal, something more than a person. I love that when he said super personal, that just struck me that if God is supernatural, it makes sense that in his person, he is different than we are. That's the first thing that John tells us about Jesus. But I want to focus on verse 3, where it says, all things were made through Jesus. And without Jesus, nothing has been made that was made. Because you can tell a lot about a person by what they're able to make. All right, okay, we're going to change things up now. Little audience participation. I need you to, I'm going to ask you some questions. These are not rhetorical questions. I want you to shout out answers. If you're here in the sanctuary, you shout them out so I can hear them, so I can repeat them. If you're in East Hall, I can't hear you. You don't have to shout them out. You can just say it to your people around you. All right. Um, this is my Apple phone. All right. Uh, this was uh, the brainchild, the design of Stephen Jobs. He's the one who thought it up, uh, designed it, uh, whatever his responsibility was for. Let's just assume that Stephen Jobs created this, my smartphone. Okay, just from this, what can you tell me about Stephen Jobs? Go ahead, shout it out. Brilliant, smart, creative, what else? <laughs> all right, uh, all right, let me put this down now. Okay, we're going to continue on with our wonderful audience participation. I'm going to show you uh, a picture a photo, uh, and it, what John says is that Jesus created all things. So when you see this photo, I want you to tell me what this tells you about Jesus, if this is all you knew about him. Go ahead and throw up the first image. That's an image of the Milky Way. What's that tell you about Jesus? Powerful. Beautiful. Big. Awesome. Okay, next picture. What's this tell you? This is a single living cell. I remember reading that there's more happening in a single living cell than happens in the city of Chicago on a given day. Okay, unbelievably complex. What does this tell you about Jesus? Detailed. What? Intelligent. Creative. Amazing. All right, next picture. <laughs> it's not one of mine. It should be. 
What's this tell you about Jesus? Love. Perfect, relational. Right? Look, the baby is looking at someone. Right? Amazingly complex. All right. Uh, last picture. All right. What's this tell you about Jesus? Joy. Right? Relationship. Diversity. All kinds of... One of my favorite verses about creation is actually in the book of Job. At the end of Job, God is kind of dressing down Job because Job has demanded answers from God. And God says this, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched out the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Then this, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That makes me think of as, as Jesus was creating things, or things were being created through Jesus, the angels themselves were high-fiving and doing what you just did. They were just going, oh my gosh, look at that. Look at brilliant, beautiful design that God made. Right? All right. I said that was the last image. One more image. All right. I told you, uh, 13 days ago, uh, I slipped on some ice and I hit my face on the cement. All right. You, if you were here last week, you know that. And uh, so the last uh, just happened 13 days ago. If you are, uh, I'm going to show you a picture of what I was like 13 days ago. All right. So if you're squeamish, don't look at this. Ready? Go ahead and put the picture up. Okay. I was on my way uh, to the hospital. Okay, you can take it down. <laughs> All right, now, 13 days. I didn't do a thing. I, I, I even forgot to put the salve on. I was supposed to put on. You know, I didn't put Neosporin on. Whatever. Right? What does it tell you about Jesus that he would create a body to heal like that? I was going to say, I, uh, I may have a new strategy. I may do this like every three months. I've never had so many people look at me and go, you look good. You look good. <laughs> oh, let me tell you this. This is a, a little thing that I learned about blood clotting. Like, the reason that I healed is because uh, God made us, Jesus designed us to actually, uh, our blood to clot. You're a pressurized system. That's why you have blood pressure, right? A balloon is a pressurized system. A balloon cannot clot. So if you have the smallest tear in a balloon, it will bleed out all the air. You would do the same thing if you didn't clot. But the, clot, the blood clotting system is a 14-step cascading system, which means that one thing has to happen for the next thing to happen for the next thing to happen. Your mind, your brain, has to send the clot to the right place. Send it to the wrong place, you die. Right? And then it has to reverse the 14 steps for the blood clot to dissolve. It's just incredible. What's that tell you about Jesus? If Jesus created all things, he created you with the capacity to love, to have a relationship, to laugh like you just laughed, to experience joy. He's given you taste, but four different types of taste buds for crying out loud. <laughs> What's that tell you about Jesus? Right? 
What we do when we look at things that Jesus made and we shout out what that tells us about him, that's called worship. It's called worship. John begins, and when he says, all things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus, nothing has been made that was made, he's telling us something about Jesus that you should know. And that when we go through life, even when we uh, fall on cement, whatever it is, Jesus is doing something. All right? That's the first thing. The second thing, when John says this, he's telling us something about everything. Right? I think it was the German philosopher Martin Heidegger that was credited with asking the question, why is there something rather than nothing at all? Why is there something rather than nothing at all? It's a question that human beings have been trying to answer for a long time. Right? And here John gives us that answer. The short answer is Jesus. The reason why there is something rather than nothing? Jesus. And that means at least a few things. One, it means creation did not create itself. Creation did not create itself. Richard Dawkins who is a pretty popular atheist, written a lot of books. One of the books that he wrote is called The Blind Watchmaker. The Blind Watchmaker. The the premise of the book is this. He says, even though everything looks like it was designed for a purpose by someone who created it, it was not. That's the premise of the book. And what, you know, I told you last week that for the first 150 years of modern science, The prevailing theory about the universe was called the static theory, that the stuff of the universe, matter, energy, dimension, space, time, had always existed. And then Einstein, with his theory of relativity, and then other discoveries made scientists abandon that theory because they realized that though the stuff of the universe has not always existed, which seems to indicate there was a beginning, which seems to indicate there was a beginner and a creator. But some scientists keep pushing back on that, and they create theories about the the multi-universe theory or the oscillating universe theory, and all that is to try to prove that creation created itself, that uh, that something came from nothing. But John says something didn't come from nothing, that everything that we have came from Jesus. It also means, the second thing it means is that the creation and creator are not the same. I heard somebody say just this week, God and the universe are one and the same to me. God and the universe are one and the same. That's not a new idea. It's called pantheism. The idea is that God is in all things and the sum of all things is God. John says that's not true. This is not the equivalent of Stephen Jobs. All of Apple products do not sum and make Stephen Jobs. He is separate from what he created. John says that's true of everything. And finally, the last thing is that John is saying that the physical is not inferior to the spiritual. The physical is not inferior to the spiritual. And that's something that is important for us because sometimes church people, we tend to kind of overemphasize the spiritual. I remember when I was a kid, there was a song that was uh, popular that was catchy, and I loved the song. It's called I'll Fly Away. I'll fly away to glory. I'll fly away. 
uh, when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. We tend to think, oh, that's what we long for is when our spirits are set free. But John will say, no, no, no. Jesus is the one who created the physical universe. He created you the way you are. That one day, that Jesus, or John will say later on in his gospel, that when Jesus resurrects, he resurrects with a physical body. John, in his other book, the book of Revelation, will say that one day Jesus will return. Heaven will be on earth. It will be a physical place with physical beings, and your physical body will be restored into what it was intended to be. When John says in his gospel, all things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus, nothing has been made that was made. He's telling us something about Jesus. He's telling us something about everything. But finally, he's telling us something about you, something about me. When, when John says that Jesus created everything, and he means you as well, that means at least three things. One is that you are not an accident. You're not an accident. You're not the cause of some random chance in the universe. Bertrand Russell, who was the the famous 20th century philosopher, atheist, this is what he writes about the universe. He says, Man is the product of causes which had no prevision of the end they were achieving. That his origin, his growth, his hopes, his fears, his loves, and his beliefs are about the outcome of accidental collocations of atoms, that no fire, no heroism, no intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave, that all the labors of the ages, all the devotion, all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system, and that the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. That'll cheer you up on a rainy day. (laughs) Richard Dawkins, who I mentioned earlier, this is what he says in uh, The River Out of Eden. The universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. John says no. No. No, you were made not in pitiless indifference. You were created by Jesus for Jesus, that you are not an accident. That's one thing it means. The other, if you were created by Jesus, secondly, it means you can't create yourself. That's become very popular as of late here in America. There are people who say, no, no, I can create myself. This is what I feel like I am on the inside, and what I feel like I am on the inside is what what I must be. And what John says is no. Stephen Jobs decided what this is. You can misuse it. You can call it something else. But it's the creator of this that decides what it is. Your creator decided what you are. And that brings me to my last point, which I mentioned last week. What John says is, you are what Jesus says you are. You are what Jesus says you are. But what Jesus says you are is absolutely wonderful. Because Jesus says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But Jesus says also that you are broken. 
right? That you are a sinner. And I think even that can be a relief, right? Uh, M. Uh, Scott Peck wrote a best-selling book, The Road Less Traveled. And he begins his book with a single sentence, and that sentence is this, life is difficult. Life is difficult. And Scott Peck says, as, as soon as you really understand that, then life becomes easier. The sooner you understand that you are what Jesus says you are, the better, the more rest you can have. Once I admit that I am broken, that I am a sinner, then I can stop the relentless pursuit of proving my worth. I can stop being so competitive with you and trying to put you down so I can feel better about myself. I can quit trying to justify myself. You know, Jesus says in the Gospels, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. This is part of the rest. For me to just say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but I was made to be more than I am because I have broken myself and I've broken others, and I'm a sinner. But then Jesus says this, you're still loved. Because Jesus says he loves you. And because Jesus is the one who created you, Jesus says, I'm the one who can restore you. I know how you were broken, and I know how to fix what is broken in you. Don't you see? John is laying this foundation And he's saying, listen, if you don't know who Jesus is, you will never understand what he has done for you. John begins his gospel by saying, all things were made through Jesus, including you. And without Jesus was not anything made that was made. John is telling us something about Jesus. He's telling us something about everything. But maybe most importantly, he's telling you something about you. Listen to him. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come to you and uh, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that you sent Jesus and that you didn't send him just to be our example of what a real human being ought to be, but you, you sent him Uh, to restore and save us. And I I am grateful for the way John begins his gospel because without really understanding who Jesus is, we can never really understand what he did for us. Thanks for your care, your love. Thanks for giving us such a wonderful Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.